Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are starting 1 Timothy today. Uh, the ideal about this here today is I want to introduce the person of Timothy to you uh, because we're going to jump into a letter. Uh, 1 Timothy was written 62 AD, and then uh, we're going to have a, a 2 Timothy, which would be probably around 67 AD. Now, Paul meets Timothy way back in 46 A.D., or Acts 16, which would be 49 A.D. So we've got a lot of time, uh, and of course, Timothy's going to be traveling during this whole time period here with Paul, and so there's a lot of history, a lot of things that Timothy's going to be doing. Uh, I've got some questions like how old, the age of Timothy. Uh, one thing that's going to come up in this is in 2 Timothy, or excuse me, 1 Timothy, in 62 A.D., we'll see the, the note, in the, the reference here when we go through the book, is Timothy's being told by Paul, uh, while he's in Ephesus, not to let people despise his youth. Well, it, it, you can see right here, that's 62 A.D. Uh, that's, how, how old was he back here in 49 A.D.? Are we talking, well, I'll give you, I'll give, I don't know, we don't know. Uh, but that's going to come up into this conversation. Remember, uh, I use the reference, I have no way of gauging this, except Jesus began his ministry at 30, that he was about 30 years old, it says in the Gospels, and then three years later he was crucified, so he was 30, 33, and you don't ever hear anything about, you know, the young man, you don't have anybody challenging him because of his youth, uh, you know, probably because he's doing miracles or something, I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem to be an issue, so I, I, he can't be... I guess what I'm saying, he can't be 30 years old there or even 30 years old here. How, how young is he actually? And again, I'll give you some ideas. And it's something you're going to have to keep in mind, and I'll give you some ideas. Uh, but as you read all these stories, kind of think about, you know, how old is Timothy as he's going through these. And we, don't, we, we lose Timothy in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews uh, mentions him in chapter 13 of having just been released from prison. Uh, then some people think Paul wrote the letter of Hebrews, so Paul's the one that's going to be bringing him with him. I don't think Paul, again, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. So someone else is going to be bringing Timothy along with him. But that's, that's going to be, you know, 64, 66 A.D. Uh, Paul's probably been executed. In fact, Paul, Timothy may be being released from prison after having visited Paul in prison in 67 A.D. He was executed 68 A.D. in the spring. And then, of course, Timothy was released from that time because Paul was dead. And someone else is picking him up, maybe Barnabas, and bringing him to meet. And it says uh, they're writing the letter from Italy. So that puts Paul, or excuse me, Timothy, in Italy, uh, possibly around 68 A.D. Paul's dead. And now he's going to continue to travel. But what happens in the years to come? Tradition, and I'm giving you just an overview here, tradition, Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, some apocryphal writings, and there's three different sources, and they all tell a very similar story, that around 97 A.D., uh, Timothy is still in Ephesus uh, leading the church, and he will have been there if he was there in 62 A.D. when Paul writes 1 Timothy and says, stay there and teach him to stop, you know, uh, don't let him teach false doctrine, we'll look at that. Uh, we're talking 30 years later, 35 years later, he's still in Ephesus and tries to stop a, uh, a pagan procession uh, of worshiping idols, and he tries to reason with them and, and, and accuse them on their way to this march, this demonstration, this mob, flash mob or whatever, but now they're getting ready to do some kind of a pagan ritual, which included uh, human sacrifices or murder, uh, it included, you know, sexual deviations and he's trying to stop it and they beat him they they in all three accounts they beat him with clubs and now and now he's older obviously 97 a.d if, if this is true this is apocryphal this is not we don't have this in the text of scripture or a, a, a legitimate source uh then about a couple days later he died but his tomb is in ephesus timothy's traditionally that's kind of what everybody assumes along with guess who was there also around this time in ephesus the Apostle John, whose tomb is also in Ephesus, 
who also was on the Isle of Patmos during this time and wrote a letter, remember in Revelation, the seven churches of Asia Minor, he writes a letter to the Ephesian church saying, uh, you've forsaken your first love. And he said, writes a letter to the messenger or the angel of the church. Uh, we know in Smyrna, that would be Polycarp. Uh, if, if Timothy is still alive, if this is any truth to it, uh, Timothy would be one of the leaders or possibly the, the messenger of the church of Ephesus that receives a letter from John from the Isle of Patmos, which then would have spurred on this kind of behavior of trying to, you know, stop some kind of pagan procession and get this back up on track and get the church back. Nonetheless, that goes into a lot of speculation. So I'm going to start right here in 1 Timothy. Uh, we're just going to read the first few verses. We're not going to be looking at the book of 1 Timothy today. Uh, and again, as I go through this, I'm going to shoot dates at you and ma make some connections with Scripture. We've got the book of Acts. We've got references in the, the letters Paul wrote. Uh, but as I shoot dates at you, realize the Bible's not dated. I'm putting dates on it. Some are a little more solid than others. Uh, making the connections from the, the, the book of Acts to references in the, in the epistles. Some of them are very clear. Some of them are kind of you know, they may work, but make sure you're thinking. Not everything I'm going to say is like absolute, but I'm trying to make a, a sweeping picture here of who Timothy is from when he gets picked up in Lystra in chapter 16 of Acts until 60, the year 62. Paul's turning the entire city of Ephesus over to him and say, you know, keep these guys on track. And uh, what a, what a uh, responsibility. Here we go. In 62 AD, from prison, uh, or just coming out of prison, I should say. Paul's been in prison. Timothy's been with him. He's writing to Timothy. Uh, again, boy, we don't even know where Paul is at. He's gone into Macedonia, according to this letter, but he may be heading west to Spain. But he leaves Timothy in Ephesus with the responsibility of keeping things on track, and he writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. And again, notice that stay there in Ephesus. What I just showed you here, this, this uh, traditional ideal of what happened to Timothy, uh, he did stay there. He, he was like a, like a dog, sit, stay, stay where in Ephesus, and he would have stayed there until the reign of Domitia, Nerva, maybe in, in, in the Trajan. Uh, so he would have stayed there for some 30 years. But stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrine any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. So right away we're into false teaching. You're there, you've got to, people are starting to, the church of Ephesus is already drifting following legalism the jews have come in and they've got their own corrupt system uh, you've also got the greek philosophy that they're, they're drifting off into uh genealogies and mythology in fact he used the word mythology or myths uh and they're corrupting the truth and that's why we come back to the word of god we keep coming back to these scriptures because if we just say i think we've got it set it down and start having church services well we all spend all year uh, all vacation and holiday settings and the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, just watch a Hallmark movie and it's like, it's all about family. It's all about, you know, solving our differences. It's all about getting along with each other. It's all about the gift you've always wanted. It's like, no, no, it's about Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world. It's like, and it's so easy if you don't come back to this. And we can blame the Ephesians, but we're in the same position. If we don't continue to come back and look at this, I'm doing that doctrinal study. We're getting ready to go on a, and it's going to tie together very nicely on Monday nights, uh, looking at heresies and deception, starting in, in, in the scriptures that they were, they were fighting against, going through the early church and making connection to the day. Um, you if you just continue to re rehearse the doctrines that are in the scripture, I can see in my own mind how, you know, I know this is true, but then you start drifting you know, just, you know, about salvation. You just start, you can see how easy, especially if you stop looking at the target, how you just drift off course, which is exactly what Hebrew says. You know, you've drifted off, you've drifted away, and, and you're not even on target any longer. 
Nonetheless, this is why Paul is sending Timothy there. I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. And now this is the church. They're, having, they're in Ephesus, the church that Paul started, uh, that John is about to arrive here. If this is 62 AD, John is going to be coming and settling in Ephesus sometime around 65, 66 AD to miss the Jewish war. So John's on his way. Uh, Paul started the church. But some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law. And that would probably, you know, law, that seemed to be the Mosaic law, Jewish tradition. But they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. But that's, that verse, every time I read that, there's a little part of me that, especially when I was younger, I've kind of dulled the senses of, of being, you know, convicted by the word of God, you know, so I don't have to feel convicted. So I'm, I'm being facetious there. But especially that verse always pricks my own heart. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about. I want to be a teacher of the scriptures, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, it's like there's that, always that idea of like you can get a Bible, you can gather a crowd, you can have a notes, and it's like you can start waxing elegant on it. But it's like, do you even know what you're talking about? And a lot of times I've looked you know, over my shoulders like, I don't know. Do I know what I'm talking about? That's why it's nice to say, I'm just going to teach the text of Scripture, read, read some good conservative commentaries, and explain it. But that is always hanging over me. Do I know what I'm talking about? And so confidently uh, affirm. You know, it's like, well, th- but he said it with such conviction. Well, God, yeah, that must be true. Look at that conviction that's behind that. Well, that's what Timothy's going into. He's, he's going into uh, Ephesus, and they're in the church are people that are teaching false doctrines, things they want to be teachers of, of, of the law, but they really don't even understand the purpose of it. But they're very convincing, they're very affirming, and uh, it's going to be a battle. Okay, it, that's the book of 1 Timothy beginning right there. And now, if you would, flip back in your Bibles, and we're not going to read through all the verses. I've tried to type them up on the notes so we can move through this very quickly. But in chapter 16 of Acts, verse 1, uh, this is Paul's second missionary journey, and we're going to come back and, and start over this again. But it says, he came to Derby. I'll show you where that's at here in just a moment, and then to Lystra, and I think Lystra is Timothy's hometown, where a disciple named Timothy lived. Now, this is 49 A.D. Uh, Paul is on his second missionary, second time through Lystra and Derby. If you remember the first time, he got stoned to death here in the first. We'll talk about that. This is the second time through, but when he arrives the second time in 49 AD, there was a disciple named Timothy. Now, it doesn't say a young man named Timothy. It doesn't say a man that came to Paul's Bible study named Timothy. It says a disciple. Now, clearly, he's not a disciple of Jesus Christ that traveled with the apostles, but he's become a follower of Christ a follower of the way sometime by 49 AD. It says he did, didn't, you know, respond to Paul's, you know, message. When Paul arrives, Timothy's already a disciple, which has to push the, again, this is where I start, when did he become a disciple? I mean, maybe two nights ago. Well, it's hard to be a disciple after being born again for two days. So it, 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 it seemed to be sometime in the past, and again, I, I, this is where I'm making, I, I want to warn you, when would he have become a disciple? Well, no one had heard the gospel here until Paul came by with Silas, or excuse me, Barnabas, in 46 AD in the first missionary journey. So apparently, if we make a connection, Timothy became a believer or was exposed to the gospel three years before, and he would have sought, it's going to be referred to in First and Second Timothy, he would have saw or been familiar with a man coming in and being stoned to death and drugged out of the city, left for dead. But then this dead man wa- stood back up and walked back into the city after people prayed for him and gathered around him. And Timothy, at that point, somehow, apparently, because of those events, because of the events or the meetings or the, his, his mother, his grandmother, became a believer. So that when Paul comes back three years later, there's a young man that's a disciple already, a follower. And, and it says... Uh, a disciple named Timothy, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, 
So his mom's Jewish, but she's also a believer. Now, how did she become a believer? Well, we don't know for sure, but she was a, her, her city was exposed to the gospel three years before when Paul and Barnabas came through, when two Jews, Paul, the rabbi, and Barnabas, the Levite, came into their town and presented the gospel to the Jews. This Jewish woman became a believer. So it's like, well, how did these Jews accept Christ? Well, two Jews explained to a Jew about the Christ. So it was a, a rabbi, a Levite, explained to this Jewish woman and the community who Jesus was. He got stoned by the Jews, drug out of the city. He came back in, and Timothy's mom apparently became a believer. Uh, she was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, we don't know anything about the father. We can't say anything good or bad about the father. I mean, uh, you can say, well, he was a Greek. That's the end of your... He was not a Jew, but he had married a Jew. And he'd had a son named Timothy. Now, did the guy, was the guy dead? Was he an absentee father? Was he a drug dealer on the corner? Uh, was he in charge of the temple of, you know, Zeus? Was he just a hard worker? Was he a traveler? I mean, we, you don't know if he was good or bad, but he's, he's, never made, he's not in the picture. So that, but the key that he has is he is a Gentile, and he was clearly not accepting of the Jewish faith because his son was not circumcised. So he wasn't a proselyte to the Jewish faith because his son, however old Timothy is in 46 AD, 49 AD, has not been circumcised. But he somehow has some influence on his son because the mom hadn't had him circumcised. But watch this. Uh, the brothers, verse 2, the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, that'd be Lystra would be his hometown, we're guessing. Iconium is another nearest town, spoke well of him. So the, 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 the leaders, the brothers in the church there, they knew Timothy. He wasn't a closet Christian. He was someone that they said, yes, this guy is involved. This guy is faithful. This guy is committed. They spoke well of him. Verse 3, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. Uh, why does pa Paul's already had experience with a young man named Mark that he took on the first journey. Mark abandoned him and went back to Jerusalem, and he's going to come around later. Uh, but Paul is seeing something in it. We're going to find out a little bit about what's happening here. Paul wanted to take him along on a journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that, that his father was a Greek. So they all knew that this man, this boy, this young man, was not circumcised because his father was a Greek. So they know the boy's background. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Okay, now we've got to stop and talk about this. It's in the notes, and I'm just jumping into this. But here's one of the first interesting things. We'll come back to this timeline. 46 AD is the first journey. And uh, Paul goes through this area. This is Barnabas and him. The first journey, they, they first come in and they, they, they heal somebody. And they all think, uh, the people of Lystra and Derby think that Paul is Hermes and Barnabas is Zeus. Because Hermes was the messenger angel or, or God. Uh, Zeus was the head God. And they wanted to worship. They brought out offerings and, and wreaths and they wanted to offer them. And Paul and Barnabas had to say, no, 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 we're not gods. And they explained the gospel to them. Well, when the Jews heard the gospel, they then stoned them and killed or killed Paul. So, I mean, it's, it's your typical, you're a god. No, 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 I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Oh, you're a demon. We'll kill you. <laughs> and so Paul goes, he could have, if he just stopped at be, being identified as Hermes, he could have been like a legend. Uh, but he ended up getting stoned. Anyway, that's the first journey, and Timothy remembers that. Now, three years later, 49 AD, they're on the second journey. What takes place right here? What between these years, the issue is when they come back to Antioch, I'll show you the maps, they're on your notes there if you look at them. They come back to Antioch, they left Antioch, Barnabas and him did, uh, and they, they entered Galatia, this Lystra area, Iconium, and they come back. When they come back, the church that they built in Antioch, which was combined of Jews and Gentiles coming together, and Barnabas had been part of that, Paul eventually had been part of that, they had been infiltrated by people who came from James's church in Jerusalem. These are the Jews who came up to check on what was going on up here. Uh, you see uh, Agabus, the prophet, going back and forth between Jerusalem and Antioch. 
but the Jews came up and they were, they were Pharisees in the sense that they're legalists. And you've got this nice group of Jews together. Some Gentiles have joined them, more than welcome. But understand, uh, you can't be bringing that Gentile stuff in here. You've got, you've got you know, pork at the potlucks, and, and these people aren't even circumcised. And, and so they started cleaning house. Now, what's about that? We would say, whoa, 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 you shouldn't do that. Or we would say, yes, it's time that we become a holy people, that we start getting some rules. I mean, you, you, you can watch yourself say, I don't want to become sinful, but just on the same side, you can swing over and say, yes, but I want to make sure that I'm good enough. And it says, well, how do I become good enough? Well, the Bible explains to you, grow in Christ. You come, came by grace. You continue in grace. You continue to grow in your knowledge and understanding of God. It changes your life. The fruit of the Spirit begins to come as you mature. That we, we can get to that. You, you, you should have, James talks about, there should be fruit from your conversion there should be if you're alive there should be a change from from dead to life nonetheless the shortcut would be just give me a list of things to do for me to check off and give myself stars or buttons for your sunday school pins we used to get and say oh look there i've got all these done and so they started checking this list off and everybody started to remember the jews can't eat with gentiles that's right so they started separating this is while paul's and barnabas on this first mission the church is up and running in antioch they come back, it's like, where's everybody at? Oh, the Gentiles sit in there. Why? Well, they're not circumcised. Now, those that have been circumcised, these guys, they, you got circumcised, why? Well, I want to be a good follower of Christ. It's like, no, 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 that's not it. And, and, even, and Peter was like leading the charge. And again, that's a whole other story because Peter had already gotten in trouble because he'd gone to Cornelius' house, the centurion, and had preached the gospel, and the people got saved, the Spirit came on them, they spoke in tongues, they're, they're changed, and they didn't have a chance to, to, uh, to circumcise them or teach them the law. And Paul got called, Peter got called in on the carpet in Jerusalem by the leaders of the church. He says, what, what do you do? You were in a house of a Gentile? It wasn't my idea. God told me to. Jesus appeared with a sheet came out and says, eat all these unclean animals. I, I wouldn't do it. He says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. He says, what was I supposed to do? He says, I just preached the gospel, and the Spirit came on them just like it did on us, Jews, at the beginning. I, I didn't, it was not my decision. And they said, oh, well, Peter, I guess we've got to... So they're confused. There's a lot of confusion here. Now, you see it today. You see how easy people will... They're, they're bored with Western Christianity, but someone teaches them how to say Yeshua instead of Jesus. They say Yeshua. Oh... That's Jesus' real name. Then they start yeshuing you, and it's like, oh, you still say Jesus. Oh, that's so pagan. And it's like, and it's like, oh my gosh. And it's like, but and it's, you can't stop. They're like a kite. They're off. It's like, you're becoming so Jewish. That's great spirituality. And then they, you know, pick up a few Hebrew shalom this, and and it's like, it's been a problem since the beginning. And there's an answer to it. There's an answer to it, uh, and, and we're going to see an answer here, right here in these next verses. We're going to see an answer for Timothy that you're going to go like, what? What did Paul just do? So Paul comes back and says, okay, we need a meeting. And him and Titus, they go down to Jerusalem. They meet with James, John, Peter, the leaders of the church, the Pharisee group. Now, again, some of the Pharisees, this is good news, some of the Pharisees became believers in Jesus Christ. I mean, you can see Joseph Arimathea, Nicodemus that are mentioned in Scripture, but there was a whole group of them that brought their disciples into Christ. They believed in Christ, but they were still fair. It's like you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you're a conservative, you're a, a you know, a, name another political party, and it's like, and then you all come to Christ. Well, you don't stop being a conservative or a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> I don't want to get political. But it's like you, you still have these ideas of, of your governmental ideas and be a Christian. So when the Pharisees became Christians, they were still Pharisees. But now, just like us, when we preach our political views, be careful is that a political view or is that a Christian view? Well, they should be the same. Right, again, here we go, be careful. 
as a Christian, we have a certain standard. You, you can't, there is a God, there is reality, there are absolute truths, but your convictions as a Christian are not universally forced upon the rest of the world because they're not held to the same standard as you are who are in Christ preparing for a coming kingdom. They're living in their age now. They're going to live and die like dogs because they've never accepted Christ. So they are living in their world today. And your neighbors, you go to school with them, you vote with them. It's like, well, they need to act like Christians. No, you need to act like a Christian. They need to act like a American or whatever. You know, what is your cultural standard? So we can't preach Christian values into a pagan world, if that makes sense. Now, I'm not saying we should be pagan. I am saying there's absolutes, and there's many things going on in our country that are absolutely wrong. If you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim, if you're an atheist, that's not correct. But the Pharisees took their Phariseeism and brought it into and says this is the way it should be for everybody. Now, again, that sounded a little shaky, what I just said. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And so Paul calls a meeting, or all of them, and says, we've got to figure this out. And he even says, after this meeting, he's going to write a letter to the Galatians to explain what they discussed. But he even says within there, I went down to Jerusalem after this, this trip to find out if, was I preaching in vain? Because he says, here's what I'm preaching. And he brought along some of his, his team members. He says, we're preaching salvation by faith in Christ. He says, they accept Christ, the Spirit comes on them, their lives are changed, and we're building the body of Christ. There's not, we, have, we never say anything about circumcision, we never say anything about they need to become Jewish. You've got to go through the Jewish baptism so that you can reach the Christian baptism. He says, we just take a Gentile and go straight to Christ. And they talked about it, and they argued about it, and they came out of that meeting saying, well, shoot, we should do this. Go to Acts. It's chapter 15. It's, it's, it's exactly what's taking place between 46 and 49 right here. And chapter 15, verse 1. I was so afraid something like this was going to happen. I want to just blow through this, but I feel like I'm trying to do an overview you see, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not trying, I'm going to do an overview. <laughs> Chapter 15, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Uh, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dis dis dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the believers to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So you've got your first church split. You've got the Jerusalem church. You've got the Antioch church. And Paul says, no, this is not right. This is not the gospel. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia, or yeah, Phoenicia goes all the way through. Verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. The brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among the Gentiles that the Gentiles might hear, and he was through his Cornelius situation there. Uh, verse 12 the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. That was on this first missionary trip. We went to Gentile territory and just took the message of Christ. We went straight to the Gentiles, preached Christ. Miracles started happening. It was confirmed. When they finished, James spoke up. This is the one we just finished, the book of James. This is Jesus' brother. He is already, by 48 AD, he's already the head of the church of Jerusalem. So he, that's why it says he's like speaking for everybody. He's speaking the consensus. He spoke up, brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. Now, here, now he quotes scripture. 
After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of the men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for ages. The key being, verse 17, middle of that, and all the Gentiles who bear my name. So he says, we've got to find the Gentiles who bear his name, because after the Gentiles who bear his name, we call it the church, has been found, what will happen? Verse 16, and after that, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. He says, if Israel's going to go back to where God intends them to be, the Gentiles have to be brought into the kingdom first, and then the Lord will return. In other words, we're waiting for the restoration of Israel. Well, guess what? The Messiah came, we killed him, and he left. We missed it. Now, he's going to come back, but he's not going to come back until the Gentiles have been brought in. So my advice, he would say, eschatologically, is you run with this Gentile ministry because the quicker you get it done, the quicker we, re we re rebuild David's fallen tent. It is my judgment, therefore, verse 19, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. They're turning to God. Let's not make it difficult for them. Instead, we should write to them, telling them, now here's, the, here's what he's going to They're going to write a letter. Now this letter... He's, they're agreeing. James is agreeing, which he's speaking for the group. The Gentiles can come to Christ by faith. But when they arrive to Christ by faith, they're going to find themselves standing amongst a bunch of Jewish believers that have a Jewish law, that have certain standards that the Gentiles have never bothered to pay attention to. And it's like, it's going to be a little offensive. It'd be like boomers meeting with millennials in a church meeting. It'd be like, uh, that's not the way we've ever done it. We used to have Sunday school pins, you know, for example. You know, they go, what's Sunday school? It's like, okay, okay, we got a, we got a few things. Where the boomers are going to wear their Sunday school pins. So just let it go, okay? It's like, and that's what, it's not, this is not a religious standard. It's just, here comes the boomers. Here comes the millennials. Millennials, don't say anything about that. Boomers, they're going to have tattoos, and their hair is going to be different colors, what? What's wrong with it? Nothing. Nothing. Just come on in and go to Christ. And that's what this letter is. Of. That's what, this is the letter. We don't want to make it difficult. But listen, if the Gentiles, if the boomers are going to join the millennials, tell the boomers a few things. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should make it, not make it difficult. Uh, instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat strangled by animals and from blood. For, for Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Meaning there's Jews across the world that you're going to be going to that are following these principles and you're never going to unite because the Gentiles will continue to be offensive with, you know, at the potlucks having blood pudding. The Jews don't eat blood. So don't bring, you, can you have like, you know, liver and it, whatever it's like you can but the jews don't eat that kind of you can't have a shrimp pasta at the church potluck why it's offensive to the jews it's not right or wrong it's just they're not gonna you're gonna make the whole food all the food unclean by having shrimp on the table so see, you understand what i'm saying it's just kind of like a I, I think so then verse 22 then the apostles and elders of the whole church decided to choose these these people and paul and barnabas there and silas are gonna be sent back up to go through the area they just went through and here's the letter. James writes the letter. It starts and ends just like his letter of the book of James we studied. And basically, it's saying circumcision is not a big deal and accept the Gentiles. So now, Paul begins the second missionary journey. He writes the letter to the Galatians who have been Judaized. The churches of Galatia have accepted the Judaists, uh, and, and they're starting to separate following circumcision. And Paul writes a letter saying, I'll, I'll show you that too here in a moment. And says, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You accepted Christ. The Spirit started doing things in your life. And now someone says, oh, you got to get circumcised. And now you're going to start following the Jewish law. He says, you started this way, and now you switched and gone that way. The whole book of Galatians is about that. Paul has just sent that letter. They're going around telling everybody, circumcision is not a big deal. And now we go back to Paul meeting Timothy, chapter 16. And I'm going to read it to you now again. Um, chapter 16, verse 3. Remember, he's met, he's, now he's here meeting Timothy, maybe for the second time. Timothy now is a disciple. 
He's a believer in Christ. He's recommended by all the churches in the area. Paul says, I want him to travel with me. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him. It's like, what? We just spent an entire, you know, five months in Jerusalem debating, writing letters. Paul's now on an entire, whole purpose of the missionary journey the second time is to tell all the churches, you don't need to be circumcised. Oh, Timothy's not circumcised? Oh, come here, we're going to get him circumcised. I mean, it's like, what? What is this? And it goes on and says, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now, we're going to see, as we, if we go to these verses, Titus was a test sample down in Jerusalem. He is a Gentile traveling with Paul, uncircumcised. So he goes down into the heat of circumcision, and they're going to try, and he goes, and, and Paul's going to say, Titus himself was not even persuaded. Titus is like, no. I'm not going to, that, that, no, I'm not even moved. I'm not even, I'm not even, I don't even feel guilty. And so Titus said no, but Titus is a Gentile. We're talking about the new covenant. Jesus says this is the new covenant. And so for a Gentile to join the new covenant, how do you join the new covenant? It is by faith. It is by faith in Christ. It's the grace. You're a Gentile. You hear the message. You believe it. You come to Christ by faith. Now, the Jew, the same thing. The Jew enters the new covenant by faith, the same way. But the Jew has a history. They are members of the Abrahamic covenant. And what is the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? A sign of the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. So, for a Jew to become part of the new covenant... There's no need to be circumcised. In fact, Timothy is already a believer. He's a, a devout believer. Paul is not trying to get Timothy circumcised so he can become a Christian. But we're going to be heading into Jewish territory. Now, I can take Titus in there. Is he circumcised? No, he's a Gentile. He's not part of the Abrahamic community. He's a Gentile. He's a member of the body of Christ. Oh, okay. Well, now you bring Timothy in. Is he, is he a Gentile? Well, his mom is. What about his dad? Or excuse me, his, his dad's a Gentile. What about his mom? Well, his mom's Jewish. So he's Jewish and he's not, doesn't have the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. That doesn't set well. Now again, it's not a matter of salvation. It's a sign of this. I'm not telling, you say, well, I disagree with that. I'm just telling you what Paul did. I'm just telling you that Paul caused this meeting he, he solved the problem. He's the one that writes the book of Galatians. It says, if you, get yourself, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, Christ is of no value to you at all. And then he's the one who says, oh, Timothy, let's get you circumcised. But Paul, I just read in my devotions last night that you, read, you wrote the Galatians that it, uh, Christ will be of no value. No, that's, that's the new covenant. You don't get to the covenant by circumcision. You have to have a sign that you're a member of the Abrahamic community. And so that is how he goes to Timothy to take him with them on these journeys. Does that make sense right there? That's how they first meet. Uh, I'm going to flip through this very quickly. I've got some things on the board maybe. Do I? All right, here is, this is on your chart right there on your notes. Uh, this is going to be useless right now. But this is a timeline. 30 A.D., the cross. 40 A.D., there's 50 A.D., didn't have room for it, 60, 70 A.D., and what you've got right here is just all, you can look at that, there's all the years, 43, 46, all the way through, first missionary journey, 46 A.D., second missionary journey, 49 A.D., the book of Galatians is written right here. Paul now meets Timothy in 49 A.D., Timothy, I would assume, met Paul in 46 A.D., because he's going to be told, you remember all the suffering we went through when he first came to Lystra, and we'll see that later. Then you've got Timothy. These are all the times, that the interactions that Timothy has. Uh, he's going to travel with Paul to Corinth. He's going to be the one who carries the letter of 1 and 2 Thessalonians and on through here. These are some other events in the book of Acts. Here's the chapters of Acts. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Those are all the chapters of Acts. Uh, and this is the end. You can't see it, but on the end right here. We don't know. We do know uh, 
that John wrote Revelation 96 A.D., that John was alive until 98 A.D. That's pretty historical. So John is going to be in Ephesus or in the area from 66 A.D. to 98 A.D. with two years on the Isle of Patmos. So he's going to be in that Asia Minor area for 30 years. You can say 32 years. It appears, if we go with the apocryphal information, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, Timothy is going to show up in 62 A.D. in Ephesus as the head of the church, and he's going to stay there from 62 A.D. until he's martyred in 97 A.D. So that puts Timothy, what is at a 35-year period, of when Paul says, I sent you to stay in Ephesus, that he's going to stay in Ephesus for 35 years, right alongside of John. Now that's, again, some of that is, is speculation, but that is the way that works. Here's the next, this is the map of Paul's first, this is what I've been talking about, 46 to 48 AD, Acts 13 to 14. This is the first missionary journey. There, there's the church of Antioch right there as one of the great churches. Barnabas and Paul go out this way. They go across the island of Cyprus. They come up. Uh, they hit Lycia and Pamphylia. That's where John Mark turns around and says, no more, and he goes back to Jerusalem. They come up through here, go through Antioch, Iconium, and come to Lystra. This is where they think Paul and Barnabas are gods. And then after they realize they're not, they end up getting stoned to death, or Paul gets stoned to death, walks back in. This is 46 AD. This is where Paul, or Paul and Timothy apparently would have met each other for the first time. Uh, we're not sure how old they were, but that's where the faith came to Paul's or Timothy's city. Now, he comes back to Antioch and finds a church, while they've been gone for two years, has now been Judaized. They've divided, they separated. Peter's leading the charge, into, leading the, the Gentiles into Judea. Imagine, Peter's leading the charge, taking the Gentiles, making them all Jewish. And, and Paul, Paul confronts him. It says in Galatians, I confronted him to, in front of everybody. He says, he says, you're a Jew, but you don't even live like a Jew. Why are you making the Gentiles? You've accepted Christ and gone to Christ and you're not, not even thinking about the Jewish law, but you want the Gentiles to go through these little hops to become Jews so that they can find Christ. He said, that, that's illogical. And so that's why they say, okay, we need to have a meeting. They go down and have the Jerusalem Council. And that leads us to, to oh, oh, backwards, 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 backwards. All right, that leads us to the uh, second trip. There they go to Jerusalem, they come back. Now they go up through here, and here's their second trip through here. And that's where chapter 16 happens, where Paul circumcised. They come from Jerusalem Council, writes a letter to Galatia, sends the letter to the Galatians, comes over here, goes through Derby, Lystra, finds a devout disciple named Timothy, picks him up, and they head up here. Now what happens in the book of Acts, Paul wants to go to Ephesus. But on his way, right in these verses here, Spirit of God, you know, don't, go to Ephesus, don't go west, go north. So they go north. So Paul says, ah, we're going to go into Bithynia. They got to the border. Spirit of God says, no, they were prevented. So they end up over here at Troas, ancient Troy. And that's where he has the dream of someone from Macedonia. This is Macedonia over here. This is, a, this is Greece, but this is Achaia. This is Macedonia. Someone from Macedonia say, come over here. So him, now right here is where he picks up Luke. You know, in the book of Acts up here, they did this, they did this, they went there. Right here, all of a sudden, it switches to we. And from the rest of this whole time, it's we went, we went, we went. And that means Luke is with them. So now you've got Silas, Timothy, and then Luke, who's unmentioned in the book of Acts, but he's writing it. They're going to sail to Samothrace there, Neapolis, the seaport city, and go to Philippi. And in Philippi, that's where Paul is going to get, with Silas, get thrown into prison after being beaten. Timothy's going to watch it. He's there. They go to Amphipolis, Ampolina. Then they end up at Thessalonica, where they preach and they have a group of believers. They go to Berea and preach. People from the Jews from Thessalonica chase them down to Berea, chase them out, and Paul jumps on a ship and flees to Athens, telling Timothy and Silas, uh, come meet me as quick as you can, leaving behind in Thessalonica Timothy. Now, from Athens, you know the whole story there in Athens. Timothy's going to meet him there and then go back up here. Uh, we've got the verses. But then Paul goes from Athens into Corinth, finds Aquila and Priscilla, begins making tents. But during that time, 
Silas and Timothy come down and ask him a question because the Thessalonians have a question. He writes 1 Thessalonians back up to him. They ask another question. They come down. Paul writes a second letter called 2 Thessalonians in like 55 AD, right around that time period. And Timothy's going back and forth. So Timothy's seeing all this. He's seen the imprisonment. He's seen uh, the starting of the church. He's seen the opposition of the Jews. He's asking questions, returning with letters. And so he's got, he's got boots on the ground right there. Then they're going to stop here. They're going to go over to Ephesus and head to Jerusalem, and that's the end of the second missionary journey. There's going to be a third missionary journey. Oh, this is all the details there. That's what I will talk about here. They're going to do this again. This time they're going to come up to Antioch. Now Timothy's with him. They're going to go right through all these churches. Timothy stops, says hi to mom, grandma. They go to Ephesus, and they're here in Ephesus now, the third missionary journey. They're here for three years. Timothy sets up here. Paul sets up here and teaches daily in Tyrenius' lecture hall. He sends Timothy up to Macedonia because this is, this, is, this is Timothy's location. He's, he was here when these churches started. He's, he's, he's a representative for the Thessalonian church. Uh, so he's up here. Paul's having trouble with Corinthian church. He's going to write one, two, three, four letters to the Corinthian church trying to get them straightened out. Um, Timothy's going to be involved in that uh, while Paul's over here in Ephesus. And we're going to get into that later in, here in just a moment. And then... They take the money down to Jerusalem to make a big deposit. Paul, T- Timothy goes with them. And then from there, they get arrested. Paul ends up in prison, and Paul, Timothy's going to be there also uh, after he's out of prison. This is 62 AD when Paul's going to write and leave, Paul, leave Timothy in Ephesus. When he goes into Macedonia, it appears that Paul then is going to go from there. He gets out of prison, either goes straight to Spain or possibly drops off Timothy here, goes to Mass, checks on the churches, and then goes to Spain and comes back. We're not sure exactly how that works or if that even took place. And then there's that chart right there. Okay. Has anybody got a question real quick? Otherwise, I'm going to try to shoot through these notes. Are you, are you keeping up at all? Is this making sense? All right, all right. We're on page one of the notes. Um, 49 AD, we just read that in the middle there, the, the verse, hometown is Lystra. His mother was Eunice, a Jew. She was a believer. Turn the page. Grandmother is Lois. We find that out in 2 Timothy. She was a Jew, also sincere faith. Paul writes in 2 Timothy uh, two things, interesting. He writes this in 67 AD, talking about Timothy back in Lystra. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first at your, in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And then he also says in 2 Timothy 3, 14, but as for you, continuing what you have learned, which would mean Paul's doctrine, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom, and that whom is plural, you learned it. So it's more than just Paul. He learned it also from, well, his mom and grandmother, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is definitely a reference to the Old Testament since the New Testament was in the process of being written, which you are able to make, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Right there. The Old Testament, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's amazing right there. So Timothy's schooled in the Old Testament from his youth. Um, there's, you got that map right there of 49 AD. I've got it circled where Lystra's at. You can see it very clearly. All these things, we've gone through uh, point five, the circumcision events. Look at the bottom verse, right bottom of page two. Uh, the Galatian letter, Paul just written this letter to the Galatian churches. Even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Uh, top of page three, also in the book of Galatians. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Uh, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. And so that is him, him telling the Gentiles, don't even look at this legalistic system. You're saved by faith. If you want to go to Christ through the law, try it, but you've got to keep the whole law, and you're not going to. You're going to be cursed, like the Jews, needing a way out into the new covenant by faith. So just avoid that whole area. Um, and that's all that right there. Go, go to point six. This is interesting. Point six, Timothy's early calling from God could have occurred during Paul's first visit, 46 AD, or that second visit, 49 AD, but that second visit, he's already a, a devout disciple recommended by the church. So somewhere in here in 46 AD 
or 49 AD on the first or second missionary journey when, when Timothy's there in his church in his hometown, these things have to happen. They're referred to in 1 Timothy in 62 AD and 2 Timothy in 67 AD. Here's what Paul re- remembers. Uh, point 6a, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you that by them you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. So somewhere there had been prophecies made about Timothy's calling, his future. It may be why Paul says, I want this young man to travel with me. This man is going to go with me on these missionary journeys. Uh, That may have been, the prophecies could have came at any time. But notice this next one, point B. He says in 1 Timothy, at the, later on in the book, probably referring to the same prophecies in chapter 1, but now giving more detail, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, who's the council of elders? This is going back to his church that they recommended that, he go, that, that he's a devout believer. The church said good things about him. The elders had laid hands on him. Prophecies had arisen around him that he was called of God to do whatever the assignment was. And Paul's reminding of him in 1 Timothy. They, they called this at the very beginning. You're called, you're destined to do this. Don't, don't walk away from it. And then point C, in 67 AD, his last letter, Paul reminds him, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So that puts Paul, the elders, and everybody kind of in that somewhere in here that Timothy was anointed and called, and he's been working on that now for all these years, and now Paul's handing him the entire church of Ephesus and saying stay that way. Now, point seven is just pure speculation, and it's just a question I had. Uh, you can enjoy it or you can reject it. You can, but anyway, Timothy was young. At some point, Timothy was young. In fact, 62 AD in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And that's 1 Timothy 4. As he's closing down the book, he says, don't let anyone decide. I'm putting you in charge of Ephesus. Don't let any, I'm leaving you here. I've got things to do. I'm leaving you in charge of Ephesus. Don't let anyone despise you for your youth. Now, how old? I've got in that middle column there, 62 AD, 1 Timothy. Is he 25 years old? That would be young, I would say. A 25-year-old in a charge of a church in Ephesus, 28 years old. That could be considered, I think of my boys, think of me. Of course, when I was 28, I was, you know, I was like an old man. I was as wise as an old man. Uh, I say that facetiously, anybody, if anybody's taking me serious. Uh, was he 30 years old in 60? We don't know how old he was. He was just don't, being warned, don't let him despise you because you're young. Jesus was 30 years old, and no one ever questioned him. Uh, you're too young to be the Messiah. You never hear anything like that. Or now we're going to push it, 60 to 80. Is he 35 years old? It's hard for me to imagine. Again, this is my culture, though. It's hard for me to imagine a 35-year-old being considered too young. Even as an old man, I think that that's not too young. 45 years old. I mean, you could be 45 years old. I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're getting up there. We call that middle age for a purpose. So I put, I, I, I put my best guess, okay? I, I put it in gray and bold, 28. I get that, 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 you understand what he said? That's a guess, a thing that Jesus was 30 and he wasn't considered old. Uh, Timothy in 62 AD could have been 28, being says, I'm going to leave you in charge of this church. Don't let them walk all over you just because they're, young, they're older than you. Well, if you do the math, that, that means in Acts 16 in 49 AD, he was a 15-year-old. So that would mean in 49 AD, he's a 15-year-old boy leaving with Paul, heading to Philippi, to watch his boss get beaten and thrown in prison along with Silas. And uh, why didn't he get arrested? He's hiding. <laughs> you know? or, or he's too young. I mean, they're not going to beat a 15-year-old. Again, we've got to be careful because culture. You know, we, we, I th- we're thinking now of Western culture in 2023. 15, I mean, you're, you're in middle school, basically. And, and, and Timothy, if that's the case, if he's, if he's 30 years old in 62 AD, now he's 17, if he's 35 in 62 AD, which I seem to, it's hard to imagine being 35 and being called young, but he'd be 22 here. So again, we don't know. But if he's 15 here, 
That means when he saw Paul in 46 AD for the first time, he would be 12. He was a 12-year-old boy when he sees this guy come in with Barnabas, and one of them, the guy that did all the talking, got stoned to death, and they drug him out and threw his body outside the city. But then everybody went out there, and he got back up and came back in and kept preaching. It's like, oh. And he would have been a 12-year-old that would have seen that. Or he could have been, if he was 12 in 49, if he was if he's 25 years old in 62 AD, which is kind of young, I would think, uh, he would be 12 here, and he would be 9 here. So that means he would have left as a 12-year-old with Paul. That, that's hard to imagine. Uh, so 15, it seems to me, that's the age I would set on. And if you play it out all the way to the end, remember, the end of his life is speculative. You definitely have 2 Timothy around 67 AD, so he would be 33 in 2 Timothy, he'd be 33, 34 in Hebrews when he's going to come visit them from Italy with whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. If that is projected out to 97 AD where he's supposed to be beaten by a mob uh, for trying to, in Ephesus, still in Ephesus, trying to stop the pagans from being stupid and gets beaten again, that's, that's apocryphal, that, but it's got several sources. Um, he would be 63 years old when he was... Uh, was beaten to death how old are we <laughs> okay 63 but but just to be fair those stories record that he was about 80 years old when he got beaten to death so that's why i put 80 here and then you do it back now that's coming from apocryphal sources this other one's more sure that's me just speculating <laughs> so i mean you have nothing here you have nothing solid only thing you've got solid is in 62 a.d He's told, do not let people despise you because of your youth. But if he was 80 in 97, that means he would have left in Acts chapter 16 at the age of 32, which seems he's living with mom and his grandma at 32, and he's 45 being told by Timothy or Paul, don't let them despise you for, because of your youth. That doesn't, that, there's just some problems there. Again, that's your information right there. Turn the page. Uh, I want to go through all this right here. I'm just going to refer to it. Realize that when on the second missionary journey that we had up here, when Paul's beat in Philippi, they start the church in Thessalonica and Berea. Paul has to flee to Athens to avoid persecution, and he leaves Timothy and Silas back here, and they come back and forth. And so Timothy is carrying, he's the one who carries the letter first and second Thessalonians and answers questions for him. Paul's in Corinth, and he's writing letters back and forth, and, t and Timothy's going back and forth. So he would be 15, 16 years old, carrying letters and explaining letters for Paul. Uh, the third missionary journey, uh, that's again, a, I'd like to spend more time on that. Paul's sends, first of all, he sends in that third missionary journey when he gets to Ephesus, he sends Timothy up to Macedonia. And then he has trouble in Corinth and writes one, two, three, four letters. Uh, we've got letters two and four. We call them first and second Corinthians. And within there, Timothy's being sent to Corinth to solve problems and carry the letter. He doesn't, it does not work out. He gets trampled on. So if he, he would be 19 years old possibly then, 19 years old, and he's got, getting no respect from the Corinthian church and comes back to Paul, and Paul has to send Titus over there finally to solve the problem. And that's a lot of detail there. Uh, but again, look at, the, look at the heat that Timothy is in uh, uh, from the, the, the Philippian imprisonment from Paul having to flee to Corinth, traveling letters back and forth, taking the money to Jerusalem, trying to help solve the, read the book of Corinthians, and see, Timothy's part of the, trying to solve that problem for Paul, while Paul's over in Ephesus having riots. And so Timothy's in that whole mix, while he's also ministering to the churches of Macedonia. And uh, that ends basically kind of the whole idea right there at the end. Uh, Paul's in prison, in, uh, on that top of page 6 in the, the map there, 57 to 60, 62 AD. 57 to 60, he's in Caesarea. Timothy apparently would be there. He's definitely with Paul. We don't know if he's on the prison ship or not. I'm going to assume he was. Uh, but he ends up with him in, in the prison. If he goes the other way or somehow. But he's with him because he, he's co-author of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Timothy's name is there. In fact, Timothy may have carried some of those letters going back and forth with Paul while he's in prison for three years in Caesarea, two years in Rome. And then once that's over, once that imprisonment is over, that is when Paul sends him to Ephesus in 62 AD, says, you stay here. Paul goes up to Macedonia, and then he's going to travel possibly out to Spain. And he writes, after leaving Timothy in Ephesus, and he himself goes to Macedonia, 
sends a letter back to him, says, the reason I left you there, here's your instructions. This is what I need you to take care of. And if that is 62 AD, if he was 15 years old, uh, he's 28 years old in 62 AD uh, receiving this letter. Again, that's what I'm going to go with. Again, I want you to make sure you realize I'm speculating there. But I'm saying he's 28 years old. And between the ages of 15 and 28, he's seen Philippi. He's seen Corinth. He's seen all kinds of... He's gone to Jerusalem a couple times. Now he's seen Paul in prison, maybe been on the prison ship. Now Paul says, I've got to go further. I'm going to leave you and you're going to fix the church of Ephesus. They're teaching... The Jews are teaching legalism. The Gentiles are teaching mysticism and all kinds of genealogies, speculative religions. He says, I need you to tell them to stop and fix this problem. You're 28. I've got to keep going. And so that is where we pick up next week when we start looking at uh, uh, 1 Timothy. we looking possibly at a 28-year-old. Be careful with that number. Whatever that number is, it means he's at an age where he's young enough to be despised by his youth and young enough to say, yeah, I should probably just step back. And Paul's telling him, no, you don't step back. You step up and you start fixing the problems there in the Ephesian church. And Ephesian church is not like a little small backwater city. It's like one of the major cities. And we'll take a look at some of the things in Ephesus next week. Well, I appreciate you listening. That was a, a lot of information. kind of gives you perspective. I'll pray and we're free to go. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the faithfulness of people that have come before us, like Paul and Silas and Timothy. We do ask that we would understand the seriousness of protecting the message, of hanging on to it and presenting it accurately, and continuing in it ourselves. Father, we do ask that we would allow it to change our lives, that we'd be bold and able to speak the word to a culture that is looking for answers, that we'd be able to defend it with our own conviction, our own explanations, but also counting on you and the Spirit to, to move among the people that we, we, we live with, the people in our communities, in our families, and in our churches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.